You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Welcome once again, everyone, to the Nutmeg Arena podcast. This time, we are going to be focusing on the UEFA Champions League final, the big game, PSG versus Bayern Munich. Two teams who've been really, really excellent since the restart of the Champions League, and what a what a great final, what a great lineup we have in front of us this Sunday. In this episode, I'm joined by my co-host Chris. Welcome, Chris, once again. Thank you very much. Great to be here as always. Very much yeah. looking forward to this one absolutely, and the game itself. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, two amazing football teams. Who, I mean, you you obviously see people have a disliking for PSG because of the ownership and the way the clubs being run, the the, the money league people say. But I, I see a lot of people who even who dislikes PSG I don't know why but kind of reside with a neutral opinion for this final more, I, I guess most of most of them might be Barcelona fans because they're really damn angry with Bayern Munich because of the 8-2 thrashing so <laughs> yeah probably yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that that this is an interesting lineup Chris and I mean before I mean we just we'll start with the tactical analysis of both the teams you look at the semi-final first, let's go with the PSG Leipzig game. I mean, I'll just bring out a few stats and just lay out the basic stuff. You, you look at the shots and the shots they are on target. Leipzig had 11 shots, 4 shots on target. PSG, on the other hand, 14 shots, 9 on target. So they were like more clinical and more uh, dangerous, I would say. Possession as well, it was close 45 to 55, 55 for PSG. Formation, if you look at the formation, Leipzig's Initial, the way they started the game was a 4-1-4-1 and PSG with the normal 4-3-3, which they played against Man City as well, the same formation. And Leipzig, as we know, I mean, we discussed it in the last podcast, obviously, they are a completely tactically astute team with different varieties. That's how Julian Nagelsmann works. I mean, that's how the way the team is programmed to do. And we saw a lot of that in the semis as well. But... You look at the tactics, mate, and see how Leipzig played. They had different shapes. They they went into a yeah. different different set of formations inside the game. It was somewhat a three-one-five-one with Angelino moving into the wing back role, Conrad Leimer as well. I mean Upamecano, then Klosterman, Lucas Klosterman, Diet Upamecano, and Nordi Mukiel. They, they they lined up as the three center backs and they tried to play diagonals as well into the half spaces into the midfield as well at times. But yeah. in my opinion, what caused them mostly was the mistakes, the individual errors that they committed. You look at the first goal that Marquino scored. In my opinion, I think that set piece should have been defended better. I mean, they they, they defended that poorly. They let Marquinhos run freely and get a good yeah. PC header there. Look at the second goal, which I think probably decided the game because had Peter Gulhasi, the goalkeeper, not made that poor mistake, that poor pass, I think Leipzig would have still been in the game. You you look at the pass there again. I mean, PSG, I I think we have to give PSG all the credit for that as well because the way Leipzig play, they have the uh, wingbacks, kind of wingbacks stretched along the side and what they do is they try to play out from the back. The goalkeeper tries to play play out into a, a basic pass into the back line. But the PSG midfield came forward. Ander Herrera, Paredes, Neymar on one side, Mbappe on the other side, Di Maria on the right as well. So the passing options were completely shut out. There was a small space where I think it was Marcel Sabitzer who 
Kulasi tried to pass to, but he passed a little to the right, which was intercepted by Paredes, I think, and that went that initially resulted in the goal. So, Chris, I mean, asking your opinion, what did you think of PSG as a team? Well, if you listen to our last podcast, they made me eat my words completely, didn't they? They were just completely different to the team that faced Atalanta in every aspect they were I don't want to say it was a complete performance but they were the better team from start to finish they pressed higher up the pitch they pressed better they transitioned quicker I think that was due to uh, the introduction that was due to Paredes and the way he played as well for, for me he was probably man of the match I, I, I know Di Maria could have a shout for that as well but I thought against Atalanta the midfield we I mentioned it didn't I again in the last podcast sorry to repeat that but that that midfield that they played against Atalanta just didn't look like a Champions League winner midfield for me but this one the way they played in this game I thought that midfield allowed them to transition a lot quicker from defence to attack they got the ball forward so therefore they they broke they broke they played between the line they, they were able to play between the lines a lot better and they broke the shape of Leipzig Leipzig again against Atletico Madrid they switched between a 4-2-3-1 out of possession and a 3-1-5-1 like you mentioned in possession uh, it didn't it looked like they approached the game with the same plan but they weren't able to switch tactically between formations as easily because he just didn't have an answer for PS, PSG I don't know whether Nagelsmann underestimated them I know I certainly did before the game because I thought Leipzig would win but PSG pressed higher they got the ball forward a lot quicker and they just looked more they looked like more of a team than probably I've ever seen them I don't want to sit here and pretend that I'm an avid watcher French football but that was for me it just seemed to click into place for them I thought Paredes he played like on the left of the three but he played a lot deeper than the other two it was all almost as if as if Tuchel was doing the same as Nagels when they were switching they were switching formations between in possession and out position but it was he was he was dropping deeper to get the ball, but it was like he was disguising his passes. I don't know if you noticed, Rickwick. It was like he was yeah. he was looking one he yeah. was looking one way, but he was passing the ball the other, and it was catching like yeah. the guard of position. And if you notice, exactly. he was playing the ball he was playing the ball in between the lines between the defence and the midfield. And whether it was Neymar, Di Maria, or Neymar on his own, they were getting a lot more space. Now, if you compare that to the Atalanta game, Neymar was having to, he was almost having to do everything in that game, I thought. He was having to drop deep, he was having to pull out wide. In this game, because they played the way they did, it simplified his role and he was able to affect the game a lot more productively than what he was against Atalanta. And I thought, yeah. hats off to PSG, I thought they were just the better team. From the minute that goal went in, I know you've mes- you've mentioned they didn't pick up Marquinez's run, but the ball... The free kick itself, it was just a fantastic ball. It's one of those that's so hard to defend that ball because the keeper doesn't know whether to come, the defenders don't know whether to intercept. The cross and the run were just were timed perfectly. Leipzig, tactically, I don't know if they disappointed me because I think the quality of the individuals that PSG had just showed on the night. But for me, they didn't get enough support for Poulsen up front. Uh, they didn't. I was expecting them to press high up the pitch. I don't know whether it was the plan to sit off or whether they were just sort of made aware within the first five to ten minutes of the game that PSG were going to play through them and they were a bit poor off by that. Again, you, you've mentioned the keeper's mistakes, but it was all, almost as like he got it wrong, Nagelsmann. I, one of the reasons I predicted a Leipzig win was I thought if Leipzig got up PSG and attacked them, Preston high up the pitch, almost not in the way Atalanta done it, but I thought the fact that, but similar to the way they they done it, given 
a few minor adjustments and use the fact that they hadn't played as much. I, th- I thought they would they would win the game. I thought they would break PSG because of that. But no, they, they, did, they didn't seem to do that. And I know he's, he's made half-time substitutions, brought Schick on Forsberg, but didn't really alter the game in any way for me. And I know the last two goals were errors, but I, I thought PSG were worthy winners and I thought it was a good, very good tactical performance and a very good team yeah. performance from them, which is not something that we associate with PSG because they're known for the, yeah. their individuals. So I thought it was a very good performance from them. Yeah, like, like, I mean, like you said in the in the quarterfinal, if you saw Icardi played up top, Neymar on the left, definitely because of yeah. injury to Mbappe. But Icardi was awful in that game, in my opinion, like we discussed in the last <laughs> podcast. But Neymar here, he started from the center and he did all the work. I mean, like you said, Neymar actually instigated a lot of press as well. And Mbappe was, you, I mean, it, it was pretty much clear that you could actually launch a ball to Mbappe and Mbappe could make that run. I mean, it was that kind of, and that, that's probably why I think, I mean, why I agree with you as well on why. I, I, I also think that Nagelsmann probably disappointed me a little because I expected a bit more from Leipzig tactically as well. And yeah. you, you look at, you look, I mean, he wore all those great, nice, you know, silky suits and all and came in. <laughs> so when, when he came on with it, I thought I'd probably would see a cracking uh, yeah. performance from them. But unfortunately, no. And like you said, Patrick Schick and Emil Forsberg came in. But again, nothing much. I mean, we saw them shift to a 3-5-2, proper 3-5-2 in the second half. Uh, Kevin Campbell also probably uh, in, in, in the center of the midfield. But I don't think they used their wing-backs properly. Angelino, Conrad Leimer, when they played as the wing-backs, I don't think they were properly used because you have Patrick Schick, you have Paulson as well. So when yeah. you have two players who are who have the good height and who are probably very good in the box as well, despite Paulson, you know, dropping deep at times to connect play. But when you have players of that height and that caliber, you probably have to put in some crosses. So Leipzig probably hesitated, I think. I mean, they, they, they had some really, I mean, they had some uh, possession in the wide areas, but they hesitated to put those balls in and they tried to play in some straight passes and straight balls, which is more direct. And most of the time they couldn't make use of that because PSG were compact in the second half. But like you said, Paredes actually kind of dropped deep. Under Herrera was actually playing behind Neymar, behind Neymar in the sense in the fourth. I mean, it kind of kind of became a 4-2-3-1, I would say, or a 4-2-1-3 or whatever you would like to call it at yeah. times. I mean, the center was very much compact from PSG. I mean, that that because Leipzig weren't usually entertaining in the wide areas. So they kind of, I mean, Thomas Tuchel, you have to give, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of the most major critics of Thomas Tuchel because I think he sometimes he's like pretty much absurd with the way he sets up his team. But this semi-final game was probably, you, you have to credit Thomas Tuchel for this because he adapted to the game nicely and the personnel that he had on the field was also brilliant. I mean, they, they performed brilliant. So you have to give credit to them. You have to give credit to them as well. Well, I, I mentioned when you assess PSG in the Champions League in previous years, for me, it, it's always been the same errors or the same the same issues within the performance. And like, like like I said last time out, there's nothing to suggest this is Thomas Tuchel team. There's no different. There's no difference between this PSG team. And I'm speaking specifically about Champions League performances now to what there was under Unai Emery, for example. But Again, this performance itself for me, they were just a better team, and, and I mean, they, they they were a lot more cohesive. They seemed to be have a complete understanding of why what the manager wanted. Uh, they, like I said, they pressed higher up the pitch. They pressed better when they were pressing. They pressed as a team. They transitioned quicker. They got the ball forward quicker. 
Um, when I say they got the ball for quicker, they weren't going long. They were just play. They were just playing through PSG. I mean, through Leipzig. And like I said, the the, the formation seemed to switch at times because. Uh, but I don't know if that was just the, the fact that the Di Maria was coming in a bit a lot more centrally because he he is that type of player. He, he's so underrated, I think, Di Maria. And it's just he can play out wide. He can play centrally. And he was he was coming inside. He was tucking inside and playing. So. It's almost sometimes Neymar and Di Maria were playing as a two behind Mbappe. So they, I just think they had a clear plan. They had a clear plan from the start, um, and they cut. I don't. I don't think like Nagelsmann had a plan f- for PSG to play that way at all. Or it definitely didn't seem that. I mean, they had the odd half chance where they could have got back in, back in the game. But uh, I just don't think. I don't think they would have been would have been any justification in them in them scoring. Really, I think. I think even the free. I think the three nil was not a flattering scoreline at all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, most important thing was like you said, they kind of came in centrally and blocked Leipzig from penetrating as well making the yeah. centrative passes through the center so yeah that's probably with PSG before we move on to the final preview basically but before that we'll just like to talk about Bayern Munich as well against Lyon the second finalist Munich and again I'll just bring up the stats here you look at the shots on target both teams had Bayern had seven shots on target 18 in total Lyon had three shots on target just three shots on target but total of five, five shots but Leon they sh- really should have scored as well we'll come to that but you look at the position Bayern dominated it's a 65 to 35 and you look at the formations Bayern basically went with the normal plan 4 to 3 1 Goretzka Thiago with the double pivot there Leon went with the 3 5 2 the same way they went the same lineup they used against Man City so I mean obviously the plan from Leon was to play in the ball up 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 top and kind of use the pace of the wing backs to get into the attackers to get the ball into the attackers as well and early enough that basically that was simply the plan to counter and make those runs in runs in behind because you have David Alaba and Jerome Boateng who are not the most fastest players I would say right now Jerome Boateng especially yeah. and the fullbacks advance Alfonso Davies Hosho Kimmich and you you obviously get a chance there and that's what we saw early as well when Maxence Kakere got the ball and he fed in Memphis Depay with a great, great pass, I would say. But Depay, but I would say Manuel Neuer did a really good job there. He made himself look big. He tried to cover, but Depay squared it and he should have really, really, really scored. I mean, I mean, I know that yeah. Manuel Neuer made it hard, but a player of that quality, when you get a chance like that in a Champions League semi-final, you just have to score against a team like Bayern Munich because if you don't take your chances, you're not going to get much of that. You're just going to get punished, and that's what we saw because it was not just that. A few moments later, a few time, I mean, a few minutes later, I think Ekambi got another good chance, which he hit the par. He hit the post. Yeah. Again, a brilliant chance, and a few minutes later, you see Serge Gnabry score that wonder goal, and that I think was a proper, proper tactical masterclass. Not, not a masterclass, I would say it was a properly identified thing. Which Kimmich playing the ball to Gnabry on the right, just a chip ball there. Thomas Muller taking plays along with him with that forward run, like he yeah. makes. He just made that space. But Nabri still had to make that long pass front, and he was on his weaker foot as well. And that yeah, goal well, was brilliant. Point, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that 
that was really brilliant pretty much from there it was more like bayern were controlling possession and bayern always looked like they would score the second that second goal once again i mean leon again caught vulnerably thomas muller again made that run inside the box i mean although lewandowski could have finished that when he saved when the keeper saved that it fell to serge gnabry again who who just had a free run because thomas muller again once again pulled the defenders along with him i mean thomas yeah. muller basically we we talk a lot about Thomas Muller being the wrong debtor, the creator of space. And he, he just did the same thing yesterday, I mean, in, in, in that yeah. particular game. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you look at all the three goals. I mean, third goal, again, was a cheeky free kick from Kimmich <laughs> to Lewandowski, which he scored. Again, I would probably put a little bit fault on Marcelo, who could have probably done better. But that probably was straight out from the training ground. Again, a good yeah, goal. But I think but that maybe, would be harsh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you you really can't blame Leon completely, the Leon defense completely, because they had chances again in the second half. Again, a Kambi he straightly squared it to Manuel Neuer once again when it was two 0 Should have been two yeah. one. It should have been two one. And you, if you don't take those chances, you you don't get much chances. And if you talk about the tactical. stuff as well like you said leon had the two wing backs husemoar on the light, uh, left side of the three man midfield bruno gimares and maxins kakeret the other two but oar just kind of played sometimes like just behind the two strikers at times and in the second half especially akambi moved on to the right deep uh, deep more centrally when dembele also came in dembele also moved centrally oar was playing just behind with kakeret and gimares being the two together in the dm role basically and yeah. i mean leon's most attacks again once again i mean i i don't know if you notice this if you look at the way leon attacked i i i didn't think dubois the right the right wing back got further pretty often because most of leon's attack came through the left because on the right you had to compete with alfonso davis's pace so most of their attacks were channeled through the left and I think it kind of became a little predictable for Bayern Munich at a particular point of time. And they, they definitely had openings. They had definitely unlocked spaces despite less position. Yeah, they bottled their chances. And if you look at Bayern as well, I, I mean, I'll come to you again. I'll just ask you what you think. But just want to touch upon how Bayern played. I mean, their attacking players basically rotated, didn't they? You look at Thiago and Goretzka who started as a double pivot. But really, Goretzka actually gets on ahead and... he makes that i mean he makes that atta- attacking four just behind lewandowski with knabri yeah. perisic uh, goretzka muller and the as the wing backs advance that becomes a six and thiago slots yeah. into the, into the i mean the center role in the defense playing those defense splitting passes as well so i mean yeah. again hans de flick you have to give credit to him and like like i said leon had the chances they could have been exposed by it but they really played their proper game didn't they yeah um, i mean a couple of couple of things to touch on there based on what you've said but i mean for me this game went as conclusive as what people have made out since and people were making out before the game i mean the, let, let's let, let's break this down a little bit i mean the possession for example leon didn't want possession of the ball they were happy a part part of their strategy was for, for Bayern Munich to have the ball so that and then they could pick them off and counter as they way they did at City so, uh, against Manchester City so I thought Leon I'll, I'll start with them first before we go on to Bayern Munich but Leon's system was right they attacked like you've said they attacked definitely predominantly more down the left hand side than what they did the right 
it was almost at times that that three at the back switched into a four, and the, uh, as the uh, as the left uh, as the left back as the left wing back pushed on, I think it was Maxwell Cornet, was it the left wing back, and the the back would sit a lot deeper, probably as you've said to try and nullify the threat of Alfonso Davis when he, he when he I want to say sprints, but he's a lot faster than a sprinter, isn't he? <laughs> when he overlaps down the left hand side, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, Leon had chances, and he had ch- they had chances at critical stages of this game. Uh, the, the running through the middle of the field was it was all good, it was all correct. It, obviously, taking advantage of Bayern Munich's again, I want to say high line, but it's actually higher than high, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think you can get any higher up the uh, up your own half. They play that far up, so Leon Leon had chances. Again, if one of them had scored at that time, that they had the chances. Then this is a whole different game because the, the the possession that you've mentioned, yeah, Bayern had the majority of the possession. Was it sixty six percent? You're the stats man here. Was it sixty six percent possession? Yeah, yeah. I think it was sixty five to thirty five. Yeah. So, but we knew that before the game, given the type of game that they play, that they were always going to have possession. They were going to have a high, especially against a counter attacking team, uh, and we knew. We knew exactly what system and what formation Leon were going to set up with. Uh, but yeah, so I think I think they deserve credit, Leon, for for playing the way they did uh, and getting as far as they did. The only thing I thought they lacked on the night was, especially after the second goal went in, it was like they almost didn't believe that they could not only score but actually win the game for me. Uh, and I think that I think that showed. I think think they were sort of happy just to be in the semi final. And there were the times I don't know what you you think on it. There were times throughout where it was like, do these realise how many chances they, they these are getting or they could get? And that's what I thought. That was the only thing that I would, I thought on the night, grasp this moment. If you score here, this will change the game. You will get more chances because of the way Bayern Munich play. You will get more chances. You will get more opportunity to score a second. And yes, we all know that Bayern Munich probably could have raised their game maybe one, even two more levels throughout. And they probably would have done if Leon would have scored. But you, you would never know. You, you never know until you ask that question. And I thought that's the only thing. I thought Leon done everything right other than actually believe they could win that match. And I thought I thought there was an opportunity there. And I think the chances suggest that there was an opportunity to actually make more of a game of it at the very least. Bayern Munich, as you say, they, they, they set up and they, we, we knew that they were going to play the high line. We knew Serge Gnabry. And, and like I said, they can alter positions. He scored that goal with his weaker foot, but they have that on both sides. Coleman between Gnabry, Coleman and Perisic, they can all they can all interlink and swap at any point. I think that's a strength strength for theirs. Certainly makes them unpredictable. And obviously with Thomas Muller, I mean he's had a fantastic season, but like you said, his running off the ball and his ability to make space for his teammates. Just, I mean, is there anyone in world football that can do that the way he does? I don't think there is. I really don't. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't. I, sorry. Sorry, Riffy. I don't want to. I don't know about yourself, but I thought of come out of this game. We've we've touched on a number of podcasts now how good we think Bayern Munich have been, not just in the Champions League but in the Bundesliga, and how momentum will play a part, and how we make them favourites for the Champions League, and they still are rightfully favourites to win it given the form that they're in. But I come out of this game with a lot more of a negative thought about them than I was positive just in the sense that I mean they can be we know there's a lot been made of how, how, how high they play okay and I think the reason they do that is so that they can put pressure on the ball 
at all times, but they don't sort of press all the time. It's like they press on certain situations depending on who has the ball and maybe the area of the pitch that they've got them. And that's fine, but that allows them to be easily exploited, in my opinion. It allows, given if the opposition are actually clever with the passes or have more quality than what Leon, Leon did, then it, Bayern Munich can be exploited. And that's been shown, not just not just in this game, but even even against Barcelona. There were, there were times where Barcelona got in behind them. It was just a pity that it seemed to be the full-backs I think that was due to the the way it was due to the who, who Kiko Setien picked in his midfield. So again, again, we'll we'll mention Alfonso Davis because of the because of the way he's performed since since he's since since the pandemic and the return of football. But again, that's an area that's an area that can be exploited. But they got the job yeah. done. I don't want to be too critical of them. <laughs> they have they have been brilliant. I just thought, and and in the end as well, you could probably say the the, the game was. A bit like a training session, I suppose, because I do I do believe yeah. Leon lacked that belief. Gnabry's yeah. goal was fantastic. Can't take nothing away from that. It was a really every minute, every bit of it. Muller's movement and his ability to cut in. Uh, one of the best goals since the return, I think. Uh, I look, I love, I loved the free kick, the end, the end goal. Yeah. Just because yes, exactly. I, when I was watching it, I was watching it and I just seen the way they set up and I thought, oh yeah, I, I love that sort of thing when people sort of do race set pieces and you think I was looking at the position of Lewandowski and as I mentioned when you were speaking there and when you were saying uh, Marcel could have done a lot better, I just don't think he expected Lewandowski to come from where he was coming. And obviously, the yeah. leap, the fact that, that was just, I thought, a little bit harsh on Marcel. I just thought it was great forward play by Le- Lewandowski. And I thought, yeah, great did, goal. I made it when that one in. Did you see that dummy? I mean, it, it was probably a little bit, bit similar to a, what you call it as a dummy run because Lewandowski moved, uh, made that run in. He pulled Marcelo yeah. with him. But then he took a step back. And that's, yeah. that's, when, that's when he leaped. So Marcelo got caught up ahead. And he couldn't actually react in time to jump because obviously if you if it's I mean if Marcelo had jumped he might have probably got something on the ball but he didn't have time for that and it was great great thing to do from Hosho Kimmich as well and yeah that that's a that's a brilliant goal like like you said yeah really good again not the the most the greatest goal on the eye sort of thing I know yeah. people will obviously go to Gnabry's goal which was obviously a, a lot better individually and even probably as a team but it's just little set piece things like that uh, little set piece goals like that where you're like hold on something's going to happen here you know there's going to be a chance created if it works no matter what because the opposition are probably looking around thinking what are they doing here especially the way it was just sort of two plays towards the front two plays towards the back and there was no one running in the middle obviously and then Lewandowski's pulled in a lot more centrally from the back post and yeah I thought it was good really good something they worked on yeah and and when you when you look at the final now PSG Bayern Munich both teams who love to attack who love to play you you, you see see, I mean you you see both teams uh, and you say okay this is going to be a really open game but then you just think of the way Thomas Tuchel played in the semi-final you 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 tell you tell yourself that okay these guys can defend these guys can probably stick to a plan and Execute it to, to the best, the very perfect manner. And you look at Bayern and say, okay, sometimes you these guys could be a little open, could be a little naive yeah. as well with their approach. And unlike the general consensus that people have, okay, this is going to be attacking game. Both teams are going to get a lot of chances. Yeah, they might. I mean, it all depends on how they line up and what the tactics is. Because you look at both the teams, both teams 
can actually play a different way if they want to. I mean, they they have the caliber and they have the players to do that, obviously. Yeah. So it's yeah. gonna be really interesting, and I think it's gonna be more of a flick versus tukel battle. Rag. I mean, people are uh, actually you, you see if you see social media, if you see Twitter especially, you see people saying this is gonna be Mbappe versus Alfonso Davies. No, because no, Mbappe no. played on the left 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 last week. Alfonso Davies plays on his left, so it's 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 the opposite sides. It's gonna be yeah. Di Maria versus Davies if it's the same formation. It's gonna be Di Maria versus Davies and Kimmich versus Mbappe, and that's gonna be an interesting battle, obviously. But for me, this battle is gonna be between Thomas Tuchel and Ansu Flick. Who yeah. who is the most tactically astute manager? They're gonna win this. They're just gonna win this game. Yeah, as well. I mean, they've got to be the two best German managers around right now, wouldn't you say? I can't really think of any other German managers that are good enough. I mean, like like, like I said, I mean, I, I'm a bit <laughs> critical of Thomas Tuchel, but. Yeah, I I I would actually have to agree because I I also can't think of many people who are probably better than Tuchel and Flick right now. Yeah, and I mean, and this is a fact that Flick has just t- taken a big job just this season, and that speaks a lot. Yeah, again, I was sort of aiming that as a dig at Jurgen Klopp there. I don't know if you know, it was a bit of a disguise dig at Jurgen Klopp. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. oh, I, I mean, how how could I, how how could I even forget Jurgen Klopp? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. This, 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 this more or less makes me. Uh, I mean, makes myself look like a complete idiot. But, but to to all the listeners here, I don't just I don't see uh, Jurgen Klopp as a German. I I see him as a scouser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, like you said, it is uh, it is going to be a tactical battle between the two managers. But again, I don't think it's going to be a tactical battle in the sense of oh, unpredictable. I think we we both know how both managers are going to approach us, and I think it's going to be exactly the same way as what they did in the semi final. I think you might see Verratti coming for Predes. I don't know if that will be for the benefit or not because, I, I, like I said, I did really enjoy Predes what he done with the ball, and I think it was I think it allowed PSG to actually play the way they did so that will, that will be interesting to see if Verratti starts instead of him or not again sure, sure you look at Bayern Munich and you think can they can they risk playing that high line knowing that Mbappe and Neymar are playing and I just but why would he change it now why why, why would he play the way they have done all, all the way through and be on the run just to confuse matters now and I, I so I don't, I don't see him changing it. I really don't, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, if PSG get the opportunities Leon did because this final might not actually be as forthcoming as what we think if they get those chances. I mean, if Mbappe gets the chances that say Memphis Depay got, then it could be game over <laughs> before this final's even got under the, got underway. But again, like I said, like I said uh, when I was speaking to you through our WhatsApp group the other day, for me this has got to be the most unpredictable Champions League final ever. I yeah, mean, the, exactly. yeah. I mean, if you if you got, I was got, I was going through previous seasons, and I know the bookies have got Bayern Munich down as favourite because the bookies have to have a favourite, otherwise it's just a flaw of business. <laughs> but uh, like I say, you look at last year's Champions League final, for example, and. Liverpool were obvious favourites given the way the the way they finished their league campaign, the, the number of points that they got in the league, the, the way they uh, they actually got to the final, and if you look at the way Tottenham approached the final in terms of form, Liverpool were clear favourites. When Liverpool played Real Madrid, you made Real Madrid favourites because they were they'd won it uh, so many times on succession. Uh, they were more experienced at playing in the Champions League, so they just had more know-how. 
the manager had won it before, so they for me Real Madrid were favourites then. So I mean, you can, and you kept go, I kept going back through Champions League finals, and I looked at it from a football perspective, and you could see a clear favourite in this one. I cannot see, like I said, I'd changed my mind twice within within the, the, the ten minutes of the match ending on who was going to win. I thought. But at first, I thought Bayern Munich have got it. I think they'll do that. I think they've got maybe a bit much, uh, a, a bit much variety in their attack. Lewandowski, Muller, Gnabry. It'd be interesting to see whether Perisic plays or Coleman plays, but whoever plays, they offer a di- different variation to the other. So I thought Bayern Munich probably got a bit more to call on. But then when I thought about it more, I thought, well, now is PSG going to create? And if they play the way they did in this game, they were quite defensively solid. And, they were, and to be fair, they were quite defensively solid against Atalanta. And I know their fitness was a major key point in them overturning that game. But when you look, I thought one of the one things, I don't want to go back to the semi-final for too long, one of the things that Leipzig lacked against PSG was their ability to get in behind them. And I thought that played into PSG's hands. And I know we touched on it last time with Werner. We knew Werner was going to be missing for for Leipzig, and that and how would they cope with that? And that would have been that that would have been detrimental to them anyway. But when you look at Bayern Munich, Lewandowski, he's a world class footballer, probably the best number nine in world football at the moment. But his game has not revolved around pace, and getting in behind is not sort of is is high point. It's not what he's known traditionally for doing. And I think if you've got someone like Thiago Silva, who, again, doesn't have to worry about someone running in behind or someone with that pace, then that plays into BSG's hands, in my opinion. And I think that could be a key area of who goes on to win this game, especially if Bayern Munich play as high up the pitch as what they have been doing. Yeah, yeah. And and I, this is probably the best time to come on to the patron question from one of our patrons, Dieter Van Gogh. And yeah. this question basically, I mean, we covered the Varati part. You obviously said, I mean, Varati might start if he's fit. And one yeah. of his questions, I mean, other couple of his questions was that, uh, do you think Kingsley Command might come in for Ivan Perisic in this game? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. No, I don't. I think given his ability to run with the ball and his pace to get in behind, I think Bayern Munich will save that to later on in the game if they can. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think Perisic might start because of the overall yeah. work, work he does on the pitch. And yeah. yeah. And th- another question that he has to, I mean, he, he asked us, who do you think has the best attack? Is it Bayern or PSG? And this is again, once again, a tough question because you are talking about uh, attack with Robert Lewandowski, so it's Gnabry and uh, Thomas Muller. You can count even Perisic as well. On if you look at the bench, yeah. you have Philip Coutinho, Tom, uh, Kingsley Coman. You look at PSG, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Angel Di Maria. I mean, I, I would go with PSG because for me, I mean, individual quality. If you combine Angel Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe. Slight, I mean, definitely edges over the Bayern. I mean, that would basically be because of Serge Gnabry, Di Maria comparisons, yeah. basically for me. Yeah, I think PSG individually, it's it's not even a debate. They would have, they have the best attackers. I mean, there was an argument, or well, definitely before the PSG Leipzig game that cohesively and as a team, Bayern Munich's front, whether you want to call them a front four, if you include Thomas Muller and that, as well as the wingers or a front three seems to operate a lot better but P- PSG in the semi-final showed that if they they can press high up the pitch they can press as a unit uh, and I know that will involve the midfield as well Yeah, and we will call Di Maria the, the, the third forward if you like out of Mbappe uh, along with Mbappe 
and Neymar. So again, it depends on what angle you come at it from. I would probably say individually PSG up until the semi-final as a, as a unit by Munich. Yep, playing the safe game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very much sitting on the fence there. <laughs> 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 so and I mean he has another question which is uh, probably again the right back thing I mean we've obviously touched upon this saying that Bayern might not change the whole system or even the personnel because it's gone yeah. well it's it's worked well for them so I mean the his question was whether if uh, Benjamin Pavard was fully fit for the game do you see Kimmich moving move into the midfield and Pavard coming in and play right back and personally I don't see that happening especially in such a big game and Pavard was has been out for pretty much some time now so like I, yeah. I don't see that happening at all Hope no, it's the same I, I, no yeah de- definitely don't see it happening at all and one, one of yeah. the reasons why is if you watch the way Bayern Munich play they build up predominantly through the right-hand side of the pitch. I think one of the reasons they do it is if you compare Kimmich to Davis as full-backs, they've got a completely different skill sets. So they, their strengths are completely different. So it allows Bayern Munich to attack differently up once, uh, on one side of the flank compared to the other. So they tend to build up down the right uh, and, and have a lot more sort of possession down that side uh, and have a lot more build-up play. But then they s- switch the... F- they s- they switch the play quite cleverly and quite directly over to the left-hand side. And it's obviously to out, it's to create an overload on one side and it, and it allows then Davis the space to run into and utilise the speed when he overlaps Perisic or Coleman. If they are quite, Riffle, you're probably not quite similar to the way Liverpool play, is that they will tend to do the majority of their build-up play on the right-hand side where Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah. are. Knowing that if they're playing a, a, a a low block a team with a low block that they will tend to operate as a unit and shift over to the right and then Trent Alexander-Arnold will then switch to play over to Mane and have the overlapping run from Robertson it creates it helps create a 2v1 and pulls defenders and midfielders out of position and then creates space everywhere so I don't see I don't see Kimmich going back into midfield because if Pavard was to play then it the style of play completely changes so why, why why would you risk it I know there's the the fitness concern as well, but it would change. It would change the way they play because he he, he he would the build up down the right hand side wouldn't be as good with Havard playing as what it would be Kimmich. And don't get me wrong, that's not to say Kimmich is not an excellent centre midfielder. He is a, an outstanding footballer. He could probably play in goal. He's that good. It wouldn't surprise me. Was he wouldn't be brilliant as well. <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, he, he can't. He can't. He is a very good midfielder. But it would just change completely the way they play. Yeah. And and the final question before we wind up the podcast. Uh, this is from our new patron Paul Signer. So Paul asks us. Uh, I, I mean, I'll just quote the question that he's put out. If PSG win the converted trophy, do you think it will? cement Mbappe's place as one of the best in the world or alternatively speaking do you think he needs to win the Champions League in order to be considered as one of the best I don't think he needs to win it to be one of the best I think he already is one of the best just speaking on talent alone however to take his game to the next level now then yeah he needs to have that not just the medal he needs to have that performance in a Champions League final I mean if he wants to go over you, I mean I think it's fair to say that Messi and Ronaldo are both coming to the, the dominance even though they're, they're, they're still world-class footballers their dominance and the level that they were pl- they've been playing at for the last 10 years will will start to come to an end now and then you're looking to sort of who's take over that mental now if we're talking from a talent perspective then it is Mbappe for me he is that next big player and, ju- and justifiably so considering his talents 
But yeah, how far eventually you need that moment, which this game could bring. You need that moment where you either go and win a Champions League final, not on your own, but you, you actually play a key or pivotal role in PSG winning it. So again, it would depend on the performance for me. Yeah, almost the same view here once again. I mean, if Mbappe wins yeah. the Champions League, he he probably has completed all the all the trophy which which he can win staying at PSG yeah. or, or in France. So it's like a hundred percent. I mean, you you see a hundred. You don't see a hundred percent score pretty much in football, and Mbappe yeah, definitely yeah. have that with trophies. Unless he moves to a new league now again, where he can, he probably might need to bag some more trophies. But I don't think that again, like you said, it it probably would determine his legacy as of now because he's still young, and yeah. I think he he is the rightful rightful heir to the Messi Ronaldo throne, and he's gonna be there. Yeah. He's, he's he's already there. And Now we talk about young players. A lot of us bring Mbappe. I don't think it's fair to bring Mbappe anymore in the young players debate because, come on, he's he's definitely gonna be competing with Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's it's yeah. very much unfair to the other young players to bring. Yeah. So yeah. I think pe- I think people. I don't know. I mean, I think the World Cup itself showed that. I mean, he didn't just. He didn't play a bit part in the World Cup. He was a major difference in France actually winning it. Yeah. Uh, I think people underestimate how good his football brain as well. He's not just a. He's not. He's not just one of those typical footballers who just runs through. Uh, who, who just who, who breaks the defensive line and runs through and slots into the yeah. bottom corner. The lad has got a. He is a very very good technical player. He's very good. He's got a lot of awareness. He's got a very. Good, he's got a what appears to be a very outstanding football brain and he knows where the pack of the net is as well so again yeah I I think he's, he's definitely the next best thing for me yeah 100% and before we just wind up the podcast Chris one, I mean I, I mean you, your advice obviously to the to both the managers is to not do a Pep Guardiola and just be themselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I mean yeah. when you If you if you go with the prediction, what do you think? I mean, what, what's your prediction basically for the game? Um, edging towards PSG. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think PSG. <laughs> I mean, my, my predictions have basically gone horribly wrong recently on Peter. I mean, I've been commenting since the Atlanta. I mean, not the Atlanta game. I think it was it was the Bayern Barca game, which I thought it was it would be close, but it was a demolition. Next game yeah. again, I I thought City would comfortably win again. Leon beat them. The Bayern Leon game again, I thought it would be a, a, another. Close win. I don't. I didn't think Bayern would probably score more than two, but again they did. Yeah. As far as my prediction goes, it's going horribly wrong. But just for the <laughs> sake of it, if I want to give, uh, I mean, I would definitely love Bayern to win it because I don't know. I I, I don't. Know, I kind of like Bayern a bit more than PSG. Yeah. Favorite is some playing a part there, but honestly speaking, uh, it, it's it's very hard. It's it's really really hard to pick a winner, but. It is. It's unpredictable. Yeah, I think my gut feeling kind of says that PSG might just nick this, and Neymar might finally have what he wants to to lead <laughs> to lead to be the leader and lead his team to a Champions League trophy. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Let, let, let's look forward to this final, and hopefully, it's gonna be a cracking treat like we just discussed here. And yeah, finally, thanking once again 
to all the patrons especially for putting your faith on yeah. our content some really good questions yeah definitely definitely and again thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode and if you if you like our content and if you think it might be worthwhile to support us even more you can just join us on patreon we have different tiers with different benefits as well for you guys so do check out that as well and hopefully you guys also enjoy a terrific champions league final like both of us so thank you once again to everyone until the next episode goodbye